This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to be. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Normally Saturdays 3 to 6, lately Sundays 1 to 3. Uh, it's Catch Us Catch Ken during football season. So check out my website, MonicaPerezShow.com or PropagandaReportDaily.com where we post, my producer Binkley here and I, post not only these shows, but also we do podcasts, especially in the off season to kind of keep, uh, keep current and keep you entertained. So check all that out and we will also be able to find out when uh, the shows are live. This is live. We're here one to three talking about uh, the tax reform plan from the GOP and Trump. I'm way down the rabbit hole when it comes to taxes. I think that the whole goal of the taxes is to keep us in line, to keep us powerless, to keep us from having the freedom to go Ron Paul, you know, to pull a Ron Paul, to go out there and walk away from a... a um, flourishing medical practice and apply uh, education, intelligence, critical thinking, and integrity to the political process. I mean, if they can keep us out of the loop, then they can do what they want. So that's what I think the fundamental basis is of all that. Happy to hear what you think. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Binkley, let's, uh, let's get some tweets. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. What you got? We had that tweet where... Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, they were asking... Read it, read it, read it. Ken wanted to know if you could make two amendments to the Constitution, what would they be? Yes, we talked about this before the break. So, for me, I I never thought of it as two, but there are two that I would make. And one, absolutely, totally pertinent to this conversation, is a balanced budget amendment. For me, what Grover Norquist does, which says no new taxes, can't raise taxes, everybody signs a pledge not to raise taxes, I think that's actually bad. I think people need to understand, need to feel the pain of what they're spending and not foster or uh, foist it onto the next generation. There, we have $20 trillion of debt, and that's what they're telling us. That's on the books. That's the debt that's outstanding, not related to the obligations of the future. On a GDP, that's $19 trillion. We are the richest society in human history, and we borrow from our children. It makes me crazy. Uh, so I would have a balanced budget amendment straight up. I would even fold in that they've got to pay the debt off. Give them 20 years, do a trillion dollars a year, whatever. And the upside is not, oh my gosh, what would we do? The government would have, wouldn't have enough money to spend. The upside would be the government would have less money to spend. They do such bad things with it. So let's, let's uh, rein it in. And if you want all that uh, government garbage, Move to California, you know, and, uh, and, and live it there. They're like a little country. They can do it. They don't need the federal government to do it for them. And if you don't want it, fix Georgia, you know. So I would do a balanced budget amendment. And then the other thing, super controversial, I don't really want to get derailed into this conversation, but I will answer the question. Smedley Butler, the most decorated general or Marine general, I don't know, he got the Congressional Medal of Honor, 
uh, I think he definitely got it twice. He might have refused it the second time. He wrote that essay, War is a Racket. And uh, and he proposed an amendment for peace, which is that the U.S. military can't go more than 750 miles outside our borders. Now, we can argue the details of that, but I think the idea, the general idea that we could have an iron dome, if Israel can have it in that morass of the Middle East and, and rely on it, we could have it here with two oceans. But what I would do is I would add into that any defense company that ever works for us or plans to work for us in the future cannot sell or cooperate in any way, sell information or material in any way with any other country ever, even if it's supposed to be our allies. Because the way I see it, we spend half the defense money in the world. Half of the world's defense budget is U.S. So how are those people a real threat to us? It's because we sell them all this stuff and then have to produce more extravagant weapons. Just stop that process. I would like that in an amendment. And, uh, yeah, I think that would go a long way to solving our problems. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, I want to take some calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Also, feel free to tweet at Monica Perez Show. Um, go to Mike. Mike, you are on with Monica. Hey, Monica. Nice, nice show. Um, I, I, I agree with you that uh, whether you've got the D or the R by your name, and I've been an R for the longest time in the world, uh, that they're both working for the same goal. It, it, it was uncovered. My eyes were opened up, I guess, a couple of elections ago. Anyway, um, but uh, to your point, though, uh, if Trump isn't the perceived outsider and he is, in fact, working for the whoever's, uh, uh, as you were talking about, why is he having such a problem with so-called our own side of things uh, the, the, the Democrats and the Republicans, and at least the majority of the Republicans, it seems like, are, are all so against him, uh, he can't get anything done. And, and by the way, I think as far as the consumption tax, I can't think of a better way to make a so-called fair system any fairer uh, than that. I think that's the way things were set up when this country started, that and tariffs. Why and, is that uh, fair? Well, because if I go buy a good, I decide at that point of uh, at that point of uh, me turning over my hard-earned money, I'm deciding that okay, I'm being taxed, and I know it. Uh, but but what if it's for? But what if you don't you want to buy the good, but you don't want to pay the tax because you object to well, the Well, then you, you don't buy the good. I mean, the thing is, it's so all what gives the government? In- I got to ask you, Mike. What gives the government the right to intervene in my arms-length transaction with a vendor? Uh, no more so than the ability for it to tax me because I earn X amount of Right. I think those are both totally unjustifiable in every way, that the only justification for taxation is to pay for services received, which is protection. So you can charge a fee to protect your house or to uh, execute a contract, uh, real estate contracts or whatever, you know? Sure, but uh, the, the only way for the uh, the tax to be fair, that, I mean, if, if you can't afford the luxury boat, then obviously you can't buy one. But those that can, why should they be taxed? Ex- you know, just like when they almost put the boat business out of business back in Clinton's day. My, my point is, though, if you're going to have a tax system supposedly fair, I'm not saying it's the greatest, but it's way 
fair than saying, okay, you people make so much money, you're going to pay way more than these people that don't make anything, and we're already at a point where half the folks don't pay taxes anyway. It probably is, yeah, and uh, in that way it is more fair. I agree with you there. And for the luxury boat thing, if you want your luxury boat, if you want to have title, if you want to prevent people, if you want the government to protect that from being stolen, I think you should pay a tax on that every single year because you are making a demand from the government. But I don't think the transaction should be taxed. I don't think that the justification is that you are making a voluntary transaction and implicitly approving of the tax. It's a nuance, but I agree that it's probably a fairer system because half the people don't pay any taxes at all right now. Well, pretty much anything's more fair than what we have now, and at least we're sort of getting there. So my point on all of that is if you're not going to say okay to at least something more targeted towards that, then, um, you know... uh, Actually, I see what you're saying. Ultimately, you're not going to do anything at all, so we're going to be stuck with what we've got. I could look at it this way, that the, the assets you are purchasing are the things that are being protected by the government. And in that way, because you're acquiring assets that you expect the government to protect for you, that there's much more of a correlation than income, which to tax somebody's labor, to me, is yeah. is egregiously sinful. You know, that's a terrible yeah. thing to do. Well, hey, before you forget, though, uh, no, the Trump I, I would thing. like to hear Let's about your, uh, uh, your, your uh, about Trump not yeah. being, I mean, being attacked. Yes, I got it, Mike. Parties. Here I am. Yeah. I'm giving it to you Thank right you. now. Okay. Here's the thing. You're presuming that the what Trump says is what he really wants, thinks, or feels. So historically, he was in favor of socialized medicine. When he was running, he said, I changed my mind. So now here he is. I believe the GOP totally wants Obamacare or some form of it. They want this. They, they talk about repeal and replace, not repeal and repeal like a good person would say. Right. So, so if Trump for some reason, no longer believes in socialized medicine or is such a man of his word that even though he does believe in it, he promised us he would get rid of it, then you can believe what you see is what you get. What I'm saying is there's a chance that he doesn't care at all, that he's just doing what he needs to do to set up his children as a political dynasty or to get uh, Dianne Feinstein's husband to sell him the U.S. post office in D.C., which is what happened and is probably going to provide the bulk of the wealth for his future generations. I mean, there's definitely some backroom dealing there. That if you, you know? Yes, I'm sorry, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but what you just said just made something stick me in my brain that's just this past week uh, come to... Uh, what, what about this airplane stuff? Now, is it okay for us to ship uh, uh, darn it, uh, Pelosi's happy butt back and forth from coast to coast on a military plane that we pay for? That's okay, and we don't hear anything about that kind of stuff, but we've got our own Georgia boy that's now resigned because he took a few charter trips. Yeah, that was outrageous hypocrisy, and I will say this, that that this is the kind of thing, my husband's not very engaged politically, but this is the kind of thing that makes him absolutely insane. It makes him engage politically, and what it makes him do, and when the media treats unfairly, doesn't point that stuff out, it makes him feel sympathy towards Trump and that gang. It was, I, I mean, if you looked into Eric Holder, Eric Holder used to get away with so many things that nobody else could get away with. It's crazy, and, and it makes you crazy. And I really think that thing, I'm so cynical that I believe that behind the scenes, these kind of things are manipulated and presented to us 
in a way that keep us engaged over things that aren't really fundamental. Taking a knee at a football game, who rides what plane, these are not fundamental. Like, is the purpose of taxes to keep us outside of civil, uh, of, of the civic process? You know what I'm saying? Of all this stuff. Uh, is the U.N. going to get stronger while we're looking, watching the football game? You know, I, I, that's the kind of thing that these, these impassionate, these things that make you passionate uh, are really, in my mind, a diversion. I don't know. I, I do think this, I don't know if Price was in on it, but it doesn't look good. And the way Sessions is treated doesn't look good to me either. But uh, let's continue this conversation, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. It got me excited because this would truly be both an adventure and a learning experience. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Partly cloudy and breezy tomorrow to start the work week. The high forecast 76. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And I'll tell you what, I want to uh, I want to give you the quick and dirty summary of the tax proposal by the GOP. It's very vague. I don't think the impact is clear, uh, at least in ways that are going to affect us. I think the impact on the way it's going to uh, affect the extremely rich is pretty clear. I think it's going to help them out, uh, which I actually don't even care. I have, have no problem with uh, extremely rich people except for... As this government gets bigger and bigger, extremely rich people are virtually always government connected. They get government, uh, they benefit from government research or government contracts or even tax code privileges. There isn't a level playing field. And I think that between that and the Fed, it's the uh, cause of the great wealth inequality, increasing wealth inequality, that a freer system uh, results in more even wealth, actually. So... I actually want to explore that thought a little bit more after the break. Let me see if I can rattle off in one minute the eight things, 10 seconds of bullet, uh, that I think this is about. Okay. Uh, supposedly, this, well, the, the proposal simplifies the tax brackets and it might reduce the ta- top tax rate. It might not. So just simplifying brackets to me doesn't mean that uh, everybody's taxes could go up that way. You got to see the details. The devil's in the details. The, it reduces the corporate rate from 35% to 20%. I personally think there should be no corporate rate. I think that it's a weird thing to put taxes in there, especially since you know just tax in one way, maybe 10% tax overall on all income to everybody. Uh, we have access to corporate taxes, uh, to corporate earnings through shareholding, and so we can benefit from that. I, I think that's okay. Uh, the standard deduction goes up, but the personal exemption goes down. Again, it's unclear what the net impact will be. State and local deductions eliminated, while mortgage and charity deductions remain. Path, uh, I got halfway through. I'll do the rest after the break. Let me give you the last four after the break. Uh, 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can also tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. And uh, and I, I do want to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, how these taxes really manipulate society. So more after the break. This is Monica Perez. News 95.5 and AM 750, WSB. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750, WSB. 
Libertarian Voice on WSB. Uh, today on Sunday 1 to 3, my kind of normal slot is Saturday 3 to 6. I don't get that during football. That's okay. You can always hear the shows if you miss them on PropagandaReportDaily.com. We also do podcasts, my producer Binkley and I, on PropagandaReportDaily.com. And we also post when the shows are going to be. So if my show moves around, you will be in the know if you sign up for the emails at that blog. So try that. Uh, we are talking about tax reform and actually in a two-hour show about tax reform i would say the only boring element is the actual tax reform proposal i tried to do all eight bullets in one minute before the break i did not succeed i got halfway through so yeah i'll have to finish i have to do one more minute of that but let's first uh and then i'm going to take some calls steve mark hang on i'll get you in this segment uh Binkley, let's start out with something more interesting how about a tweet all right i have a tweet from politishark who says, love watching the liberal blue states squirm, losing state tax exemptions. Let them pay for their own excessive state governments, not us. Uh, I, the state and local tax thing, I know it's the blue states that um, have those super high taxes. But I actually think if you're going to have a lot of welfare, let I'd rather them keep it at the state level, not because uh, if then they have to... They have to look to the feds for their welfare largesse. That's going to cost us all. Uh, but I want to make a point about red states and blue states that people rarely realize is that the I've seen several analyses that say it's the red states, the Republican states. I hate calling them the red states because it's such a you know because the red is a communist color. The de- Democrats should be called that. But uh, that the red states are the ones where they get like net payments so more people are on welfare than uh in blue states and why do blue states so it's it, the argument is republican voters are so stupid they're voting against their own interests and i would say i don't know about if they're voting based on principle instead or i don't know what maybe they just want to i don't know what but but the but the nuance that people don't see is that the blue states Democrat states, why? So if you need Medicaid, you're going to vote for Medicaid because you need Medicaid. But if you run nursing homes, you're going to vote for huge Medicaid. So so I feel like the big money Democrats, the reason they like big government is not compassion. It's that big government comes with big contracts, low hanging fruit, easy to get. That's why when you see people from Eastern Bloc countries move into to New York, I remember from when I was younger, they would just, they could barely speak English and they would get so rich so fast. And they would say, well, you know, open a nursing home. The payer is the government. Nobody's checking. You know, nobody's, nobody cares. It's just the low-hanging fruit and you stupid Americans don't know how to exploit the system. That's where I feel like the blue state, red state thing gets confused. The reason Democrats want big government is because they are on the receiving end. I'm not, I shouldn't say that. There's Democrat voters everywhere. I'm saying when you see rich people, my father used to wonder, how can this rich, successful capitalist be a Democrat? And you know, is it, doesn't he realize it's just theft? And it's because he's a crony. You know, I'm not talking about the voters. I'm talking about the guys at the top who have to choose. A lot of the bankers I used to work for were Democrats. One of them had Obama at his house you know, for a fundraiser. That's not because he's got a bleeding heart. It's because he expects some payback, I think. Uh, anyway, so I, I just think that's such an important point to make. I'm going to rattle off the last four of the eight. Uh, bullets that I think are the salient points of the tax reform. And then uh, I'm going to take some calls. 
So one thing was the pass-through rate is reduced from, to 25% uh, from the regular top income tax rate, which is almost 40%. And what that means is if you're a partner in a company and you get a salary, like most of us do for our labor, you would get taxed at a regular income, whatever. But if if you say you took like a very small income and let all that profit drop down to the bottom line and then brought it home as uh, as earnings from the company, you would used to be you'd be taxed at the same rate as income. Now they're lowering that by a lot. And that really is a recipe for corruption. And even Gary Cohn in his press conference on this subject really had no answers like it's on our radar. <laughs> it's like, oh, OK, I'm sure it is. Goldman guy. So anyway, uh, they're a partnership. So that was when I realized that like Mnuchin, Mnuchin and uh, Cohen are like Goldman guys who are part, it's a partnership and they're the ones who are like arranging the tax code for us because they really care about us. Maybe. Uh, there's a five-year write-off for business investment. This is a little screwy in my opinion or like uh, there could be danger here in that if you look at people who I would talk to people in Atlanta during the construction boom before 2008, and there were incentives to like buy new trucks and everything. So everybody had all these new trucks, a lot of loans, and then the market fell out, and they were stuck with a lot of capital investment. It was like a bubble bursting, and then it really caused a lot of hardship. So I think encouraging, over-encouraging investment in a short period of time is a recipe for disaster. Binkley suggested that maybe it was uh, more war preparation, like getting us on a war footing. I really worry sometimes that when they talk about bringing manufacturing home, setting up trade barriers, that maybe it's really, or and getting European countries to spend more on defense, maybe it's really about war. Uh, there's a one-time repatriation of taxes on foreign earnings. You know, there's supposedly a big stockpile of corporate profits abroad that would come home if we... Uh, didn't penalize them tax-wise, but then in the future, there's no taxes on foreign earnings being repatriated. So it seems to me that would encourage foreign investment. I don't know. And then finally, it, uh, the reform proposal repeals the alternative minimum tax, which I do think should go away, and the estate tax. I also don't believe in estate taxes. However, just so you know, the estate tax only affects people, only applies to people with estates larger than $11 million. So that's for sure benefiting the so-called rich. But I don't believe in that kind of taxes anyway. I believe in taxing for what you're getting, uh, not taxing every transaction. I don't think there's any ideological foundation for that, but that's it. That was that <laughs> concludes the um, policy segment of the show, portion of the show. How, how is that, Binkley? I, I feel like I could do somebody's taxes right now. <laughs> it's like when the guy has to say the legal thing and he speaks really fast at the end of the yeah. commercial. Like, that's what I was going for. So, sorry, that's maybe not the best thing for tooling around on a Sunday afternoon. But we're, gonna, we're going to uh, lighten it up with some phone calls, Steve. Uh, Steve, you are on with Monica. Hi, Steve. Hello, Monica. I really enjoy your show. I just discovered you a couple weeks ago. I'd like to make a couple comments, and you can uh, answer them one by one or respond yeah, one by it, yeah. one or take them all. Give me. Go, and I'll respond. First, uh, let me say that most people don't know the percentage of taxes that they pay, and you're a little disingenuous when you're saying all this 50%, 30%. It's very simple. Take the amount of taxes that you pay, divide it by your total income, and you'll get your percentage. Do you add in sales tax and property tax? And no, all no, that? no. I'm just talking the federal taxes. 
Just federal. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, it, I'm federal. talking about. That's the other. If you took everything, hold on, hold on. If you took everything together, if you really took how many penny, how many pennies out of your dollar the government got from Social Security to federal taxes, it, property it will be taxes. more than federal taxes. Yes, it would be more than federal taxes. But when that's we're okay. talking federal taxes, that's the way to discover. I well, but they're talking about state and local taxes. Hold on. I end up they're st saying that state and local taxes are no longer going to be tax deductible, which means it's additive, and that's why I'm adding it and talking so about it that way. That's to do how that, that really. Huh? Because I, I, yeah, I know people say, oh, I pay 30%, I pay 50%. They don't. They pay half of that or a third of that. That's at a lower. If you get taxes, to the higher. Now, hold on. I know in the beginning you get exemptions, but when you're talking about people who make a lot of money, say 250000 or 300000 these are people who went to school till they were 30. They uh, graduate with a lot of school loans. They start their jobs in these extremely at the top tax bracket. They have foregone all those years of earning, and then during their earning years, they pay those school loans back. They, they live close to the city because they have these super um, challenging jobs. They're high-paying jobs, but you've got to work long hours. You pay high uh, real estate because you need to live close to the city. That's where there are city schools, so you have to send your kids to private schools. Often, you're then in a position to take care of aging parents, and... Uh, say for your own retirement. So you're the people who are, because at a certain point, at a certain level of income, you don't get any of those deductions. You can deduct a certain amount of your mortgage, but that's it. That's what I'm talking about. The very the people who pay the bulk of the taxes fall in that category. Well, uh, and and then also from the Wall Street Journal, the top one percent will save one hundred and twenty-six thousand dollars in taxes under Trump's plan. And your middle I saw middle that. What, can you explain to me what they meant by that? Because I saw that, and I didn't really understand it. For the, most of us, 126000 for the top 1%. But I didn't understand how that broke down. I saw that article, and I didn't understand it. Do you understand it? Yeah. What is it? Well, how is it that you they're mean, saving that's, that? That's the tax breaks. What tax break? In specific? That's the new tax plan. But I mean, what specifically results? How do you get that math, that 120,000? I tried to do that math, and I couldn't get to that math. So I need to understand which provision. I don't, I don't know all the details. The Wall Street Journal didn't give the details. I know. And I, I'm telling you, I just broke down the eight things that this could be, and uh, I can't... Not, nothing to do with any of the corporate or business taxes. Business taxes, I don't understand. It could have to do with that, because this partnership passed through. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the thing. They said it, Trump's first principle was to make things more transparent, and we can't even figure out the proposal. Well, they haven't released all the details. I mean, this yeah, is just, so I can't take that hundred twenty thousand dollars number or something. Doesn't mean anything. To it's me. sort of like their health plan. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'll give you one more. Get back to the House Un-American Activities Committee. Uh, that hasn't existed since the fifties, and they never looked into uh, the subsidies to uh, nonprofits. Yes, they looked at tax-exempt foundations. Uh, actually, Renee Wormser wrote the book, which is on my nightstand, uh, about tax-exempt foundations and how they uh, were actually intentionally... In the 1950s? Yes, the Reese Commission. It was. Uh, there's a great one-hour video. What was his? Norman Dodd. Did it, he was the... Um, the head of research for the Reese Commission. There's a great. I'll post it right as soon as I finish the show. Yeah, I, I, I'm very interested. Thank oh, you. Yeah. Thank you very much. It's, the other thing is Smedley yeah. Butler. You made it sound like he just retired. 
Smedley was was in the, in the early 30s. 1900s when all the American countries and other countries in the Caribbean and some others were like our fiefdom that we controlled. If they elected someone we didn't like, we sent in the Marines. And Smedley was one of those. Yes, and that, and the book he wrote, The Wars of Raggers from the 1920s and 30s, but it's not like that stuff stopped after uh, the 30s. Think about the coup in Iran, uh, the coup in Guatemala. Federal that garbage we did. programs. I, I love my federal garbage programs, uh, as do most Americans. Medicare, what? for example. Social Security, for example. I grew up with two brothers whose father was killed in World War II. Their mother never remarried. If it weren't Social Security, they would they would have lived in poverty. Well, I have to say, I do think that veterans and people who fight these wars, they're, of course, they should, I, I actually think that they should never have to pay taxes, that you can choose, you know, to, to serve or to pay taxes. And that is one thing, a very leg legitimate payback where if people serve the country, um, I got to take a break. <laughs> I promised Mark I'm going to get to Mark right after the break. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Well, no one's going to top that. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. 68 outside the studio and sunny. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. Just so you know, I just tweeted. It's worth signing up to Twitter just to have this conversation with us during the show at Monica Perez Show. I tweeted links to Foundations, Their Power and Influence by Renee Wormser, who was the Reese Commission counsel. And also the interview with Norman Dodd, the researcher for the Reese Commission, with... Uh, G. Edward Griffin, who wrote Creature from Jekyll Island. So check that out on Twitter right now. And I'm going to give Mark in Oxford the last word on the show. Come on, Mark. You're on with us. Oh, thank you very much. That was actually a good opening, uh, the Creature from Jekyll Island. I was going to talk about the Federal Reserve and how everybody thinks that when we pay our federal income tax that it actually goes back to the infrastructure of this country. In fact, it goes to pay on the interest of the debt that the government borrows from the Federal Reserve, which is a corporation. So therefore, there is no real true benefit on paying into the federal or into the federal income tax and the country benefiting from it. All it does is pay on the interest of the dollar that the government keeps borrowing. That's some. As interest rates are very low right now, so there are times when that's a one-to-one -one thing. Right now it isn't, but I do think the reason we run deficits and debt is simply to create debt and to create that interest payment. So I fully expect In interest rates to go up. Yes. Yeah. And, and to mention the fact that as we sit there and keep the interest rates low and yes. we start building up this debt, exactly. you know, Obama took it from $10 trillion yes. to $20 trillion. Unfunded liabilities as $120 trillion. Yeah, and that could be, I have to say, that could be the underlying reason for such low interest rates is to trick us. You have a crash like that. They can bring the interest rates down, say we need this Keynesian spending all over the place. You, you we now have it has to go up. That's yeah. the problem. Eventually, yeah. it has to. And once it does, you're talking about even 5% on $120 trillion or 140 when you take the full combined deficit. Yeah, it just gobbles up everything. And I actually think that that debt, we can never repay it, that there actually could be a bankruptcy event in this country, which is what the Simpsons said about a Trump presidency like 10 years ago. Check that out. That's kind of interesting. All right, so we got to wrap this up. Sorry. Uh, this is Monica Perez. Look for our shows, our podcast, PropagandaReportDaily.com. And uh, I will not be here next week. Be here the week after Saturday. 3 to 6, October 21st. <laughs> 
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.